Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Chris Terracone. Season 8 of Jury Duty explores the trial of Alex Murdoch, a member of one of the most powerful families in South Carolina, who is accused of murdering his son Paul and his wife Maggie, with the purpose of covering up a multitude of alleged crimes, including fraud and homicide. In our last episode, we reviewed the testimony of home health provider Belinda Rast and began our look at the direct examination of FBI Special Agent Matthew Wilde. In this installment, we continue our coverage of Agent Wilde's testimony. That's all coming up right after the break. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. It is the afternoon of February 10th, 2023, day 13 of the trial of Alex Murdoch. As we concluded our last episode, FBI Special Agent Matthew Wilde described how he gathered the call records of Maggie, Paul, and Alex Murdoch from the days and hours before and after the murders. As we begin this installment, Prosecutor John Conrad asks the witness to explain the source and details of his phone data collection. During this part of his testimony, Agent Wilde refers to Celebrite, which is software that empowers law enforcement agencies to forensically extract and analyze digital data. He also refers to South Carolina Law Enforcement Division Lieutenant Britt Dove, whose testimony we covered in episodes 32 through 41 of this season's podcast. And, and you mentioned you got some Celebrite data on a, on a phone, correct? Yes. Do you remember who you got that location information from? I got that from uh, Britt Dove at SLED. Okay. Uh, and specifically, whose phone uh, did he, lo- whose location data uh, did he provide you? That was uh, Paul's, uh, Paul's location data. All right. And did you uh, plot those locations provided uh, on your report? I did. All right. And those would include times as well, correct? Yes, sir. Okay. Agent Wild, I'm going to step down with the court's permission and we're going we're gonna to pull this report up. Prosecutor John Conrad has Mr. Wilde step down from the witness stand and position himself near a monitor placed in front of the jury. He also hands the witness a pointer to aid him as he describes the data maps from his digital forensics report. All right, so the first slide here, this is just uh, who I am, my case number, and then the telephone numbers involved. Uh, the second slide, it just uh, gives a background. So I was asked by... Um, I was asked by SLED to conduct analysis in this case, the first paragraph. Uh, methodology is the second paragraph. So um, again, I take the call detail records. Uh, these are kept by the carriers for uh, billing purposes, uh, for some other technical purposes. But um, I take these call detail records. I compare the cell tower data on those call detail records to a list of towers. Um, and they tell me whether that phone is in Hampton, whether the phone's in Charleston, whether that phone's in Spartanburg or Greenville, it gives me a general idea where the phone is. And then, so the cell site locations, so the towers the towers can change over time, okay? Just in the last couple of years, we've gone from using 3G to using LTE, and now we're all, have the 5G bar on our phone, right? 
So the tower lists change, the towers change, um, and we get updated tower lists on a regular basis from the carrier. So I use the tower list that was in effect around the time of the incident, so around the time of June 2021. Um, the survey analysis section. So again, um, we took three pieces of equipment and we basically drove everywhere all the way around the uh, around this area, around the area, trying to record all the signals from the different cell towers. What that gives us is a general area of, it actually maps out the area of where there's coverage from those, those cell towers and cell sectors. So this slide just shows different types of cell phone towers. Okay, I draw your attention to the one on the top left. Uh, we have these, in, these speaker looking devices hanging on this, on this tower. Those are the antennas that transmit and receive a signal to and from a phone. Okay, a phone is very much like a car radio. As I drove here today, I tune into my favorite radio station or my favorite frequency, and um, somewhere as along my route, there's a radio tower. It emits a signal at that frequency. My car radio can receive that signal. I can listen to my favorite station. The major difference between a car radio and a cell phone is that with a cell phone, that, that information has to go in two directions. It has to be able to be received from the tower, but you also need to be able to send that information back to the tower. So those are the antennas that send and receive those signals. The second thing about this is you'll know that those, you realize those antennas, they hang on a triangular shaped structure. Most of the towers are designed to cover a full circle or 360 degrees. And the way that the carriers accomplish this is by breaking that circle into three sides or three sectors. Um, so later on in my report, you're gonna see these wedge shapes and I like to just think of the center of that wedge shape as nothing more than the center of one side of this triangle. Uh, going on in a lot of other places, urban, more suburban areas, there's not really room to build like these big towers like this one on the top left. So they start putting them on the sides of buildings. Um, the smaller ones will be on top of light poles in the cities. Um, so just because they're not, just because you don't see it or you don't realize that it's there, it's still there. Um, another example of that, of course, is the my favorite, the pine tree. Um, these are all over the place, and they usually sit about 150 feet taller than all the other trees around them. Um, but at the top, there's these spray-painted antennas, and they provide the same service as a regular tower. Such. All right, so again, the tower is separated into three, most towers are separated into three sides or three sectors. Uh, when I look at the call detail records, they tell me the tower number, say it's 23. They tell me the sector, say it's one. What I have to do is I have to go into the tower list and I have to look up tower number 23 and then I have to look up sector one. And that tower list is gonna tell me which way that sector faces. What I'm looking for there is something called the azimuth or the orientation. Azimuth and orientation are just two big scary words for direction. Okay, so if the azimuth is zero, all that means is that side of the tower faces north. Okay, if the azimuth is 180, it, all that means is the tower faces south. Um, so what I have to do is I will draw a line at zero if it faces north, and then I'll go 60 degrees in one direction, 60 degrees in the other direction. That gives me one third of that tower, one third of that circle, which is the sector in which the uh, energy is being emitted. You go on to the next one. So I display that information using this wedge shape. So you can see it's a 120 degree wedge. Um, there's a shaded area in the middle. Okay, just because that shaded area is there doesn't mean the phone has to be within that shaded area. Radio frequency is like, it's like light. If 
like if I shut all the lights off in this room and I shine a flashlight to the back of the room, it's just going to be emitted in that direction. That's all I'm saying by showing the shaded area, that the energy from that tower is being emitted in that direction. And then this is how I map the, um, this is how I map the sectors on the map. I use that wedge. Um, each one of these green dots on this map happens to be a cell tower. And so generally, the phone's going to be somewhere within this wedge, within the arms of this wedge, but somewhere between the tower that's being used and the next one in that direction, but closer to the one that's being used. All right, another set of uh, records that we can get, um, something called RTT, or timing advance. Um, this is a Verizon case, so the records we have are called RTT records. What RTT records are is it's an estimation of the distance between the phone and the tower at the time that that transaction occurred. All right, so what we get is a regular wedge, like we know which tower, we know which side of the tower is being used, and then Verizon tells us approximately how far the phone is from that tower at the time that it's used, okay? This is based on like a basic time over distance theory. Uh, we know how fast the signals travel, they travel at the speed of light, um, and then all we have to do is time them from the, the time it takes to go from the tower to the phone and back to the tower, and then we can estimate the distance. Um, so the phone, when these types of things occur, we have these records, what we're gonna have is this hot dog, or this wedge, this uh, shaded wedge here, or this shaded um, band here, and that phone's gonna be somewhere inside that band or just slightly inward from the band. And would another, could you use another word for that shaded band? Could you call it an arc? An arc, record? yes, yes sir. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Having offered the jury an introduction to how to read the data maps presented in his report, FBI Special Agent Wild next explains the data extracted from the phones of Paul, Maggie, and Alex Murdoch. All right, so now this slide, um, this is going into the actual case here. So uh, this is showing the, the legend. So this is where all the locations in this case are located. Uh, starting with the top left one, um, the top one, the red pin here in the center of the page, uh, that's the address of the crime scene on uh, Moselle Road in Highlands. Next is um, the green pin, which is uh, Almeida. And then uh, next is the orange pin, that's 1104 Luray Highway in Hampton, South Carolina. The purple pin is uh, 123 Russell Road in Brunson, South Carolina. And, and I'm going to yes. stop you there, yes, and let's... Uh, uh, let's go on to the next slide. Um, and uh, one of the things I'm going to ask you to do, Agent Wild, as you go through some of these, the, the colors kind of bleed sometimes on these monitors. Uh, so some the jury may not be able to read some of the police names from where they're at. So each time we go to a different map, if you just kind of provide a general orientation of, of where, you know, the cities are, sure. some of the roads, yeah. okay. just, just so the jury can, can stay with us, please. Okay, that works. 
Prosecutor Conrad hands Special Agent Wild a document, presumably with some of the details that might be unclear on the data maps. All right, so what's the time frame? So the time frame for this one is uh, June 7th, uh, 4.53 p.m. to 6.09 p.m. And this is uh, the activity for Paul Murdoch's phone ending in 7845. Uh, so the blue, uh, the blue pin is the address in Okatee, South Carolina. Okay. And what times do you show Paul's phone uh, at, in that general area near Okatee, South Carolina? So uh, between 540 and uh, 6.03, generally in, in that area. On the afternoon of, of what day? On the afternoon of June 7th. Okay. Yeah. Right. And there's several hits off several towers. I yeah. Think. There's some down here. There's some at the bottom. So uh, 453, 511. Uh, it's using the tower just south of there. And then 521.9 through 609, the phone is using the tower north of there. And as, just, as a general rule, do, do cell phones try to connect to the nearest tower or, the, or they have the best signal, correct? Well, the cell phone tries to connect to the tower and sector it sees as the best signal. That's not always the nearest tower, but most of the time it is. Oh. And so Paul's phone is in the area of Okatee starting 5.30 p.m. to about 6.09 p.m. On the, on the afternoon of June 7th. That's correct. All right. And just, just so it's clear for the jury, we say Paul's phone, uh, you can't testify as to who was holding the phone, correct? That's correct. I have no idea whose hand that phone was in during each one of these calls. Um, all we know is that was the phone that, that we believe he was using. But Paul's phone is, is in these areas during these times. It is. Okay, okay we're continuing with uh, Paul, Paul's phone. So this, this next slide is 6.17 p.m. through 7.30 p.m. And basically at 6.17, the phone is way south down here on the bottom of the page. And, and let's, let's, let's do some general orientation here. All right. What's this town right here? Can you read that? Uh, Yamasee. Okay. Yep. And this is this is where? That's Barnville. Okay. And that green was again what? Almeda. Okay. Yep. And red and this red up here is that's the Moselle. Okay. Alright. So what, what do you see this phone doing doing during this time frame starting at six twenty-four uh, PM? Yeah, so between six seventeen and um, six fifty-three, it's traveling north um, from the bottom of the page up to the side and then the kind of to the top. And then finally, um, where he uses sector one here at 7.05 and 7.30, it's consistent with being in the area of Moselle. Okay. Uh, and this is just a pinging in this area at 6.24, correct? Yeah. These are just the phone calls. These are the phone calls that are coming on the phone. Those are the towers that the phone is selecting as the best tower at that time. And this general direction seems to be traveling up north. Nokati would be somewhere down in this area off the map, correct? Yes, sir. And and that's off to the, for the record, off to the right and below where this slide is. And then you see a, the general progression north towards the Yes. Uh, and we see sector three here. And what time is it being in sector three, just due south of Moselle? It's at uh, 6.53 p.m. Okay. And then we see it switch over to sector one, which is a north-facing sector, correct? Yes, sir. And what time is it in sector one? 7.05. Okay. And then at 7.30, it uses that same sector one. Um, at a distance of 2.91 miles, which is in so the area of Moselle. So it's it, 7.30, it's somewhere in this arc, like we talked about before. Correct? Yes, yes. Uh, the arc, the, the number provided by Verizon is not necessarily 100% accurate, right? It's not, because um, depending on where the phone is, if the phone's out in the middle of the field, one mile from the tower, it should register at a mile. 
But if phones in a house or let's say the phones in this courtroom, uh, those signals have to go through the exterior walls of the courtroom, hit my phone, then go back out through the exterior walls. And that might slow the signal down, which will make the distance just slightly further. All right, but uh, regardless, at 6.53, it's being to the south of Moselle and Sector 3. And at 7.05, it's being in the sec same sector where Moselle is to the north, correct? Yes. And so what, what does that, what inference can you draw in your opinion of what the cell phone did between those two times? Well, between 6.53 and 7.05, mm -hmm. um, I mean, it could have moved from sector three to sector one, or it could have been uh, on the line between sector three and sector one at that time and just bounced back and forth. But you would agree that generally this direction is, is towards where? Towards Moselle, okay. yes. So by about that time, 7.30 to 7.33, uh, would your opinion be that cell phones in that area? It, it has to be. It has to be somewhere in the area, Ms. Yes, yeah. sir. And then we have other calls at 840, 832, and 840 on here as well. Okay. At 840, and it pings off of this sector at 840. Yes, sir. Correct. And that's sector which off of this tower? That's uh, sector one off of okay. that tower. Right. And again, same direction as, as Moses. Yes. Okay. And what do we see on this slide? This is um, 9:03 p.m. On June seventh, um, so here there's an there's a call, and then there's an RTT uh, distance of three point one one miles. Okay, and let's just do some general orientation again. Um, the red is what this red marker is what? That's Moselle. Okay, and the green is what? It's um it's Almeida. Okay, and then what's this town right here? That's uh, Varnville. Okay, all right, and, and we have again at nine zero three twenty two. Yep. All right, and where, and it's off sector what? It's off sector three, um, but again, there's uh, there could be a little overlap there between sector three and sector one. Okay. And so there's a chance, I mean, the phone's likely still in the area of Moselle, it's just using a different sector. Okay, your opinion is it's likely in the area of Moselle. Yes, there's, I know for a fact that there's uh, there's signal from this sector in the and area of we have, Moselle. You have slides to show that. I should, yes. Okay. Okay, and then here we have at uh, 10.34 p.m., uh, another hit. Yes. And again, this is the same map as last time, correct? It is. Um, 10.34 p.m., it's using the same, it's the same map, just the sector has changed back to sector one. All right. yeah. and, and in your opinion, that's something that's still pinging? It's consistent with being in the area of Moselle. Okay, and, and now we're, we're transitioning something else with Paul, correct? Yes, sir. This what is this? These are the this is the iPhone location data that was taken from his uh, from the download of his iPhone. And we have some some uh, times here. And can I go ahead one slide? Because uh, sure. it has informa more information. It shows a uh, overhead map of the area. Correct? Yes, sir. Uh, and let's let's talk about. You've been out to this property, correct? Yes, I have. And this is where? What, what is this called? That's uh, Moselle. Yep. And what, what am I pointing at right here in the bottom middle part of the street? That's the main house there. Okay. And then this this area up here in the uh, basically due north of the residence, what is this area? That's the dog kennel or the hang or the hangar. All right. There's a big hangar building. Yes, sir. And there's a uh, smaller series of dog kennels right next to the hangar. Yes. Okay. All right. And we have some location data. Uh, from Paul's phone uh, here, correct? Yes, we do. So between 7.45 and 7.56, uh, all these circles in and around the road and close to the kennels, uh, that's where the phone is being used. And then at 8 o'clock, there's two hits uh, down uh, south of there, 
um, at 37 and 100 meters. And, and, and we see these red circles. What, what is that red circle and what does it represent? So the red circle is the, um, it's, uh, it's the area that the phone could potentially be within. The, the phone shouldn't be any further than, the phone should be where the pin is, but it shouldn't be any further than the exterior of that circle. And with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Alex Murdoch. Please join us on our next installment as we continue our look at the direct examination of FBI Special Agent Matthew Wilde. Also, check out the Crime Story podcast, Night Raid, wherever you get your podcasts. And, if you would like to listen to these episodes early and ad-free, head over to our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You can find more information about this trial on our Jury Duty Crime Story Patreon page or at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created and produced by Carrie and Tholis. It was co-produced, written, and edited by yours truly, Chris Terracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Trial audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty.